The Auburn Tigers won big in their season opener against UMass, and the exciting thing is the ceiling is so much higher. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. And thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us as he does every single Monday, Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com, as well as a million other places, hanging out with us as we are booging on a Monday, a victory Monday here on the Plains. And Lindsey, Auburn wins 59-14, to 14, and they did it by lining up and just playing football. They didn't do anything fluky. They didn't do anything tricky. And I think when you look at, okay, they didn't use the tight ends in the passing game. Okay, they targeted Shane Hook six times. They only got two of them. That number is going to get better over the course of the season. They didn't really use Jair Shorter. They didn't use any of these explosive pieces. Oh, yeah, Jarquez Hunter wasn't there either. They did all of this. And granted, it's against a team that I just said was terrible all last week. And I still stand by it. I don't think UMass is very good. But the ceiling of this team may be even higher than what we thought. Can they get there? Can they do it by executing these things that we haven't seen yet? I don't know, but there's a lot to be excited for and hopeful for as Auburn is one to know. Yeah, I mean, the the basic rule in college football is like it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jims and Joes, but the X's and O's do play a role. Yeah. And Auburn was very, very vanilla with what they did, even when they put in red zone Robbie, right? I mean, it, it was... I remember one of his touchdowns was like student body right. Like just everybody goes that way, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so Auburn didn't show anything advanced offensively from a scheme perspective, right? Sure. It was just line up. I mean, Jeremiah Cobb's touchdown was like literally a run up the middle where he just broke a tackle and outran everybody to the end zone. There wasn't anything, there wasn't any special motions in there. There wasn't anything different. It was just a basic handoff. And so one. I feel like Auburn hasn't really dominated anybody in a paycheck game in a while. So that was nice. Yeah. Uh, but then two, it also feels like Auburn hasn't really been in very many positions where they could just line up and man on man beat you over and over and over again. Like mm. with Auburn hasn't had that talent advantage over opponents. And this is a paycheck opponent. Like you said, not very good, but it's still, you still have to feel good knowing that because that talent advantage is there, inherently that means when you add in some of that fancy, flashy, schematic stuff, like you said, it raises the ceiling for what this team could do if you start throwing your ball to Fairweather or Hooks catches some balls and things like that. Sure, right. And I think, and we'll see what happens with Jarquez Hunter. Hugh Freeze didn't comment on it after the game, nor did I think most people expect him to. And we'll see if he does at his presser on Monday. Once again, I'm not really expecting him to, but he certainly could. We'll see. We'll touch on that on tomorrow's show uh, on, with Charlie Five. But just so many pieces of this offense that we thought would be a big part of it really kind of weren't because the running backs and Jay Fair kind of did everything. And I just think when Auburn goes to Cal on Saturday, I think they're going to have the personnel to match up with Robbie a little bit better. I still think it'll work, but I do think it'll be defended a little bit better because they'll have the personnel to, to deal with it. But 
I just think Peyton's connection and getting comfortable with his offense and the connection with with hooks and these receivers is going to be a big thing. Cam Brown is a guy that we all expect a lot from this season. It seems, it seems like he's still kind of battling some injuries um, and getting back to full health. I think another week will certainly help with that. And then also just on the defensive side of the ball, and we'll touch more on the defense in a second, but Jalen McLeod is a guy who I thought was going to be kind of the star of this defense. And he, he dressed out, to my understanding, he dressed out, but he didn't play. And I think he's going to be a guy that still leads this team in sacks despite missing, missing some time. I just think he's by far Auburn's best pass rusher, and we'll see Auburn take a step forward there. So there's just so many things, Nehemiah Pritchett also. I mean, that's an NFL player. There's just so many things and so many guys that missed time or weren't a fixture in the game plan week one that will be moving forward. And the fact that Auburn can win 59 to 14, once again, it gets a very bad UMass team. That caveat exists for the rest of this week whenever we refer to what Auburn's production has been up to this point. But it's still, Lindsay, so much better than what we've seen because the culture at Auburn, it's changed, but it's not fixed with so many guys, you know, that have been in situations where they would play a UMass in the past and they'd win 27 to 10 or 27 to 13. Auburn took care of business, lined up and played football with a vanilla game plan. And once again, the ceiling for this team, I think is higher than it was 72 hours ago. Yeah. And the missing guys, I think is a big point. And then also they touched on the, on the broadcast. You touched on it. Probably the only thing the broadcast actually kind of got right, but Peyton Thorne is still pretty new to this entire team, to this playbook, to these receivers. I've, yeah. I feel like I'm the chemistry guy. I'm the glue guy. I talk all, so much about how like the receivers and the quarterbacks need to understand each other. And especially in a Philip Montgomery offense where you're making so many reads on the fly and both the quarterback and the receiver have to do the same thing. We saw a situation kind of like that. I think it was Tyler Fromm going towards the corner of the end zone and Fromm kind of, you know, breaks his, his route a little more vertical and, Thorne's expecting him to go towards the corner and he doesn't end up catching the pass. It was a touchdown. And it's things like that, that that's going to get fixed as these guys spend more time together. They sit down and film and they say, Hey, here's what I saw. Here's why I did that. Yeah. And they, they, they understand that better. And so just you beat UMass on our dudes are better than your dudes. And I still think that even with all the turnover you've had, I still think for the most part, our dudes will be better than Cal's dudes. And so I agree. it's it's something where there's a much higher ceiling. And if you do something like this against Cal, then it can be like, okay, maybe this is a really good team. I'm not expecting that. Cal put up like 600-something yards of offense. Cal mm. was a machine on Saturday. But I feel better about when you get to those games that they have a talent advantage on Auburn, that we have the ability to scheme up some stuff to make that game a bit closer. But do I think Auburn's going to beat Georgia? Not saying that right now, but I feel like it's not going to be like in years past where it's just been a 50 a fifty point destruction because the talent level's higher and you can scheme some stuff to get a little closer. Well, I think a lot of the toss-up games that we've talked about all summer, it's, okay, Auburn is kind of iffy on the roster. It's like, can they... It might be close. Like, Auburn's talent level going into the season was close with, like, Arkansas or Ole Miss... And like now, I don't know if I'm buying that. Like I, I think Auburn, I think Auburn's going to be able to line up and play against a lot of folks because that offensive line 
Mm -hmm. It's good. Like, it's legitimately good. This isn't just, like, better than what we've seen. Like, it's actually good. It's not good because we're damaged people. It's good because, like, literally, it's actually good. It's above average for college football, and we're just not used to see. Like, I'm not even sure you're allowed. We did a lot of things I didn't know you could do. Like, we're allowed to throw slants? You could do that? Yeah, that's it just looked. It just it everything passed the eye test, right? Which I think is almost more important than the actual production in a game yeah. like this, like the slants that you talked about, or receivers making contested catches and and the quarterback throwing it in situations where they can do that, or uh, the the touchdown pass to to Jay Fair from Peyton, where it's like he led him right where he needed to be, away from the defenders, like. There's just so many things where it's like, that looks right. And I don't know if it's looked like that, especially game one and a hot minute at Auburn. It, that, that to me was the most refreshing thing. That's a great way to kind of define it is it didn't look like Auburn was struggling to do the basic things, right? Like it, there's been so many games in the past and you mentioned those paycheck games being closer than we wanted them to be. Yeah. Where like it felt like the opposing offense just it was really easy for them to do stuff and it was really hard for us to execute basic things. Right. And it didn't feel like that. It felt like they've been coached properly and that they're good athletes and good football players and they can do basic stuff on their own. You don't have to hold their hands through it. So that was nice to feel like, oh hey, this is what a normal functioning offense looks like. Even cool. the the quarterback rotation and there was some procedural stuff with that where they had to use a timeout when they were changing the quarterbacks up. They've got to fix that. Obviously, in a bigger game, those timeouts are going to be worth more than, than what they were this past weekend. But like when they put Robbie in, they did things that Robbie was good at. And it didn't disrupt the entire flow of the drive. They put him in in the red zone. It made sense. I think it would make sense in 31 situations throughout this year. Then you put Peyton back in, which is what we said was the best-case scenario if they did this ever since Peyton Thorne's been there, when we talked about possible packages for Robbie is what we talked about and they did it. And it's just, it was a really refreshing thing. That's like, okay, all of this hope and all of this energy and excitement around Auburn, like it matched like the product on the field matched the feelings around the program. And we haven't been able to say that a lot over the past Decade. All right, Lindsay, let's talk about some of the bright spots on the defense. No Jalen McLeod, but still some bright spots, both with the defensive backs and a front seven defender that I think we need to shed some light on. We'll discuss that in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Athletic Brewing, and they bring you your game changer of the week, brought to you by the Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Jalen Simpson, was a game changer. Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Jalen Simpson in that pure safety role after being a corner for so long has been so smooth and so explosive and changed the game for this Ron Roberts defense. Athletic Brewing Company, they've completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. And their brews are great tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy online. That's what I did. I went to athleticbrewing.com, and first-time customers can use code LOCKEDON, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 15% off your first online order. That is LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off 
at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Our Monday guest, Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com, BravesToday.com, Locked On MLB Prospects hosts. Uh, I could keep going, but we'd be here. Um, we'd be here all day. Uh, Lindsey, the bright spot on defense, let's start first. I just mentioned them. Jalen Simpson was incredible. And you just look at Jalen Simpson and what Keontae Scott and Donovan Kaufman did out of the star position. In this Ron Roberts defense, we talked about the idea of he will send anyone on a blitz. We saw him send Kay and Lee multiple times as well. He'll send anyone. And those guys just, they had more of that natural knack of pursuing the quarterback and timing the snap and crossing the line of scrimmage more than I expected them to. And that's on me. I sold them short. But it looked good. The proof of concept for the Ron Roberts defense is here. And it was great. And I think some offenses are going to prepare for this the wrong way. And it's going to spell trouble for them. Yeah, it, it, it feels like the big thing here is we're going to send an extra guy. And you're not going to know who it is. And when you think you know who it is, you'll be wrong. Like, that was the big takeaway I got from it. Because, and I, I noticed the commentators kind of focusing on they send a lot of defensive backs off the edge. I'm like, it's not, they're not always doing that. They'd show it and then back out sometimes. They'd send somebody else. And like you said, I think there's going to be teams that are going to prepare as, okay, watch out for the nickel blitzing off the edge. Like, that's not what's going to happen. They're yeah. going to flash the nickel and they're going to send a linebacker, a safety from the other side or something else. But it was the first time in a while I've had to like have the roster open to see like, who is this guy getting the sack? Because I'm so used to it being almost always lineman. defensive yeah. linemen and maybe, you know, maybe a, a, a jack or an edge or whatever we call that position for that, that, that regime. But I'm like, having like, wait, that was a safety. That was a, hang on. That was a, that was a court. It was a nickel. Donovan right. Kaufman, I saw him a couple different times making plays. He forced a fumble on Pumachon. Uh, that was exciting. That was that was tons of fun because it felt like, again, it felt like the ceiling was higher, right? Mm -hmm. That you would be able to scheme an unblocked rusher. And it just felt like Auburn never had those kind of opportunities in the past. Where like, hey, he's going to come in. Nobody's going to touch him. He's going to swipe and knock the ball out. That's great. So Donovan Kaufman was on the field for 20 pass plays. That's it. He rushed on five of them. So on the quarter it of the a felt quarter like of so the much plays, more. A quarter of the plays that he was on the field for passing situations, they sent him rushing the passer. His pass rush grade on Pro Football Focus was a ninety-five, by the way, which is wow. stupid. It felt but, like it was so many more than five plays. It felt like he was in the backfield every other. Well, play. let me tell you why. Because of those five pass rushes, he had a sack, a quarterback hit, and two hurries. So he impacted the pass on four of the five times he was sent. Golly, that is why. That is stupid. That yeah. is crazy. And and all respect to Donovan Kaufman. Before I say this, Donovan Kaufman is not the world's, like, like, God's gift to pass rushing. No. This is Ron Roberts. This is what Ron Roberts. Donovan Kaufman is skilled and talented, and he maybe, nailed those blitzes just right. Maybe but, we weren't using them right. Yeah. Who knows? But like this, like, yeah, maybe there's an untapped potential there that we weren't using. But like looking at the frame and the body type, like he's not an NFL edge rusher. But this is what the Ron Roberts defense does. It confuses offensive lines. It confuses quarterbacks. It messes with your protection. 
and it gets you guys who, if they can execute the assignment, which Donovan Kaufman obviously executed the assignment, right. they can go out and have ridiculously stupid stats and make people like me assume they must have blitzed 20 times. <laughs> uh, Eugene right. Asante, I thought, made the case he needs to be starting at linebacker. I thought he was exceptional. I thought at times he looked like the best defender on the field. And let's be very clear and set the record straight. I have I am a Eugene Asante homer. And I was a year early on being the conductor of the Eugene Asante hype train. I apologize. I'm extremely punctual. You can ask Lindsay. I do show up to things way too early. It's not usually a year too early. That's on me. But Eugene Asante, to me, 20 snaps. He had a 73.3 grade. His tackling grade was amongst the best of the team. And let's see, he was sent... Uh, he was sent just twice as far as rushing the passer, and he was credited with a sack in a hurry, according to Pro Football Focus. So, so once again, you, you just talk about impacting, impacting the game. Eugene Asante, when he was sent, he got home, and that's exactly, it's exactly fits the theme of the segment. Like with the Ron Roberts defense, it's got to be able to set these guys up to succeed. And as far as pass rushing, I think it's going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's I can't I can't remember coming off a season opener and just being this excited about the potential for the team in a long time. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah, like thinking about like, okay, you did all this. And like you mentioned, the first segment, you did all this without arguably your best pass who we think is your best pass rusher. Right. Uh, You did all of this without your NFL caliber defensive back. Mm -hmm. Like you add these guys in you're you do. A little more schematic stuff, right? You had some tape on UMass, but you also weren't staying up all night worried about how to stop UMass, right? This was a lot of what's what's cover our bases, let's make sure Pumachan doesn't kill us by running out of the pocket, and we're gonna let him play defense. And that's what they did, and they killed it. And so what happens when Ron Roberts has a week to prepare or two weeks to prepare? Right. And you can go and you can find the weak link in the offensive line and exploit that guy. Or you can, you know, find the receiver that's actually not that great at, at getting off of coverage and putting him in my Pritchard. Like the potential is ridiculous. Yeah. And I just don't remember feeling like that in a while. Yeah. And then um, one more positive thing is I want to go to negative. Keldrick Falk played 13 snaps. And in those 13 snaps, he had a quarterback hit and two tackles. I mean, you talk about like efficiency. Keldrick Falk is him. Like he's very, very good. And uh, props to him for starting his career. Uh, I thought he'd have a bigger role. So yeah. that'll be something worth monitoring moving forward. I thought he would play more than 13 snaps. The The concern, I'm still concerned with perimeter defense. And we saw it on UMass's first drive. Tyson Pumachan and, and the UMass offense, they just attacked off tackle consistently. And guys just kept getting to the outside. And it was almost predictable. And like they still couldn't do anything by the end of the drive. So... Uh, after that, it seemed like Pumachan got shaken up. They put a brace on his knee, and he just didn't too. really look. What's that? A big one, too. A big brace. Big, big, bulky yeah. brace, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, he didn't really look the same after that. And look, I want to give credit to our dudes. Like, it seems like we adapted, right? But I do wonder I do wonder what that would have looked like if he was wouldn't have been shaken up and needed that brace that's the size of, like, I don't know, like an extra cleat that he's wearing on his leg. It was huge. So um, 
I, I'm concerned about that still to some extent. I'm excited to see what they do against Cal. If I remember from the broadcast, he had like 50 yards rushing and four carries in that first drive. PFF credits Tyson Pumachon with exactly four run plays. So he did not have a designated run after that opening drive. There you go. When he came back with the brace and his run grade on PFF was an 80.5. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, you know, we saw him get yards on the ground. We saw him evade uh, a sack. We saw him roll out and make the whole defense kind of adjust to that one half of the field kind of thing, which Cal does a right. lot of. And then we didn't see any of it the rest of the game. And so rather than getting live reps against that, now you have to do reps against that against a scout team to get ready for Cal on Saturday. So yep. you wish he was healthy from a competitive standpoint. Uh, but either way, you still you still kept Cal, uh, UMass's offense in check. Mm-hmm. That's but right. There is reason. You didn't see enough to, to answer the questions about is the rush defense going to be good enough? Yeah, we talked about it last week. UMass was a great opening opponent because of Pumachan and their their ability to attack the edge. And they did it for the one drive he was healthy and we had a hard time stopping it. So it would have been nice to get more of those, you know, higher quality game reps, but we didn't get that. It's not You can't control that. So we'll see what they do against Cal and we'll talk about it certainly all week. Lindsay, the Auburn Tigers got two offensive tackle commits in a single weekend. We, we can discuss do that? that. Can we do that? Oh, that's coming up right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. And you can get ready for the NFL season, obviously, with incredible offers from FanDuel. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets. I told you guys to take Auburn covering covering that 35 and a half point spread. And a lot of people were against that. Auburn opens as a six and a half point favorite over Cal. And so if that is enticing to you, I don't blame you. The over under is 56 and a half. And without spending a whole lot of time thinking about it, that does seem low. I think there's gonna be a lot of points there. So it's the best time to join FanDuel. The app's easy to use. So head over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season and the college season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall is the best place to check out all of your Auburn gear. Alumni Hall is where Auburn fans shop. And the cool thing right now is if you're a student, or if you are a military um, uh, member or uh, a veteran, you can show your ID and get 10% off. But it doesn't matter if you're shopping for yourself, your significant other, one of your parents, your children of any age, or your pet. They've got it covered. And it doesn't matter if you want to get swag or stuff for your walls or your desk or your tailgate. They've got everything. So head over to Alumni Hall. They've got great locations in Opelika in Tigertown in Auburn off of College Street, and in Huntsville. I've never been to the Huntsville one. I'm sure it's great, um, but be sure to check that out. And if you aren't anywhere near there, head over to alumnihall.com. Lindsey Crosby, our guest today. And Auburn adds 2024 defense, uh, offensive line commit DeAndre Carter and 2025 offensive tackle commit Spencer Down. We'll spend most of this time talking about the 2024 commit DeAndre Carter, who has been... 
I guess, expected to go to Auburn for a long time. He finally pulled the trigger on Sunday. 6'4", 340, very large and productive tackle um, from Matter Day, which is one of the more prestigious high school football programs in the entire country. Uh, you get him over Texas and several other top-tier programs. This is an A-plus-plus win for Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, you bring in another tackle for, for the 24 class with the understanding that looking at who you have now, you're expected, you know, Gunnar Britton's going to be out of eligibility. He's going to be, we're right. expecting to be in the NFL. You're going to have, like, you're going to have to reload. A lot of the linemen you brought in are a one or a one or two year thing. Mm. And this is, you're bringing in not only a guy, you're bringing in a big guy, a right. large man child, as right. Charlie Five would call him tomorrow. Sure. Uh, but, a hulking super team. A I hulking super is, team. Yeah. Yes. From California, mm -hmm. where who doesn't make a ton of offensive linemen? So the the in the in state schools prioritize the kids they can get, and yeah. you go and you take one, and you bring him over here. Um, it's number one interior lineman in the class, scoring two four seven. He's well, obviously, I think we talked about. I mean, it's it's come on, this is this is fantastic. And again, I didn't know we we're allowed to do this. This is you can just recruit high school linemen like that's fine. They just yeah. let you do it. Yeah, everybody else does it. I guess it's finally okay for us to do it. So that's been that's been exciting. Lindsay, this edition propelled Auburn up. They were 15th on the on three class rankings, and they shot them up to 11. So just the kind of impact that this edition has. He's a four star. I know Auburn fans want five stars now, which is fine. But DeAndre Carter is a multi year starter that uh, that Auburn picked up yesterday. And he seems like he's been solid to Auburn for a long time. I think that that'll probably help as other schools continue to recruit him. But, I mean, there's just so much to like about DeAndre Carter joining this class. And and one of the big things about the four-star versus the five-star is, one, there's only a certain number of five-stars per year. This is not something where, like, if you have a really good class, they'll give you more. There's only a certain number of five-stars per year. But then also keep in mind that offensive line evaluation is probably the the hardest to get right and so i trust our coaches if they think okay we need to prioritize going and getting him i trust that they see him as having the skills that they need versus somebody at on three or two four seven watching film in a basement somewhere um that has not touched grass in a week like this is he's a good player he's going to be here for multiple years <laughs> and and this is what you need, one, for the class ranking, but two, to keep this momentum going of having quality offensive line play in week one. The 247 rankings, they have him as the third highest. So it's Perry Thompson and Demarcus Riddick, the two five stars. And then they have um, DeAndre Carter rated above Walker White and Joseph Phillips. So I've just always had 247 like, had the best rankings. I mean, as far as uh, ranking uh, Carter, yeah, I'm cool yeah. with that. I'm cool with that. Uh, then Auburn picked up 2025 offensive tackle, uh, the 6'6", 290 kid, who's just starting his junior year. So, I mean, you just think about how he can develop. But uh, Spencer Dowland is committed. And so he is currently a three-star. But once again, this kid is starting his junior year of college, which is why, I mean, we're in kind of uncharted territory here. Auburn has three commits now for the 2025 class. He joins Ja'Caleb Falk, then Malik Autry. Malik Autry had a great game um, this past Friday for uh, for Opelika. Congrats to him. But this is a solid, solid, uh, solid weekend when it comes to recruiting 
big offensive lineman, and we have not been able to say that a whole lot in the past decade. So that was nice. Yeah. And looking at the at the 25 class, you have an offensive lineman, you have an edge, and you have a defensive lineman. The positions mm-hmm. that we've talked the most in this show about being worried about either in the future or this year. So right. the, they are aware of it. They're going out and they are getting I love it. Good love players it so in future classes. It. We're a top what? Like I think right now we have a number not top 10 class in 2025. It's three players, but still I want to count it. Yeah. We, when's the last time we had a top 10 class? Uh, yeah. Stop yeah, the and- count. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, how can people check out everything that you've, uh, you've got going on, buddy? I'm on the tweet box at Crosby Baseball. It's a link to everything. You've got the college baseball stuff and all, all the rest of the Auburn coverage, auburndaily.com. You have the minor league baseball stuff, Locked on MLB Prospects, nominated for two awards. If you do me a favor and go vote for those, that'd be great. And I the... Vote. Thank you. And the Atlanta Braves coverage, bravestoday.com. If you haven't checked out the show from yesterday, Daryl and I reacted to, uh, to Auburn and UMass is kind of a different perspective. We zoomed out a little bit, talked a little bit bigger picture than Lindsay and I did today. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. In the meantime, you can find all my written work at auburndaily.com. And we will see you tomorrow for a little Charlie Tuesday action. This has been Locked on Auburn.